Well, hello. I'm going to sit a bit more relaxed. Um, I'm going to ask the panel up in a wee second, but I just wanted to give a wee bit of an intro. Um, so, obviously, this series we've been looking at Jesus uh, in everything. Um, as Phil Emerson put, Jesus is everything. But um, for Jesus to be in everything, he has to be everything. Um, and in our series, we've already looked at the call of God, uh, time, talents, treasure, worship and prayer, sports, friends and family, or sports, friends and social, sorry. Um, and we're still to cover rest and Sabbath, family, and then at a later stage, social media. But it's a good time now, sort of halfway through our series, to um, sort of take a step back and see how this actually plays out in our real life. Because um, quite often you can uh, listen to someone at the front and it could be great, but actually hearing stories about how Jesus and everything uh, plays out in people's lives is, is really good and encouraging to hear. Um, so this panel is not going to be something like, look at me, look how holy I am, or look at how um, well Jesus is working in my life, but actually this is a time for us to, just, to discuss a few questions, for us to see how um, different people's lives are touched in all areas of, of um, serving God and how he's working in, in our lives and how we can be encouraged in that. Um, and just before I ask the panel to come up, um, this today for me has really been born out of uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 17. And I'm going to just take time before I ask the panel to come up to read this, um, just because um, it's just really impacted me. And I think when we're talking about Jesus in everything and how we live that out, there's no perfect passage um, that describes that better. So uh, this is Colossians chapter 3, called Living the New Life. Since you've been raised to, life, to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the simple, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, <coughs> worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. <coughs> Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be this holy people, He loves you. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgive you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you say or do, 
do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Um, personally, I, I think I could just walk out now and it'd be amazing. Um, I absolutely love that chapter. Um, and yeah, I think it perfectly describes what we've been, what we've been looking at so far. So I'm going to ask uh, Junior, Andy and Sophie all to come up, please. Um, and just as they're doing that, basically what we're going to do is we're going to ask a few different questions um, and look back at certain aspects of life um, and how Jesus is found in all of those. So I have all different questions for, for each different person, but I'm just going to go through one by one um, and work it through. <laughs> Junior's first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so really earlier on then, Ian was starting to speak about business. Um, we haven't covered family life yet, um, but these are the topics that when, when thinking of people to ask and, and stuff, Junior really stood out to me. Um, and Junior, having owned your own business for many years, yeah. um, you had many opportunities to <coughs> chat to different customers, uh, different clients. Um, <coughs> For yourself, did you find daily interactions? Um, was it important for you to share your faith with those people um, through your words, or uh, did you find other avenues to share your faith, um, acts of kindness or things like that? Right. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm glad Stevie started this uh, chat up here by saying that, yeah, basically we definitely, I definitely haven't got it all together, and, and actually I'm quite embarrassed sitting up here uh, telling you about my life. It's a bit like those older folk here about uh, when uh, it was this is your life, Eamon Andrews, and this is your life, and it's embarrassing. But yeah, you must have knocked on a few other doors before you knocked on mine. Uh, but yeah, uh, I want to start actually by reading, uh, and it's Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 to 23. It's a bit awkward when you're not at the lectern. But, uh, these verses are verses that sort of have yeah, stuck with me uh, through the years. Uh, so, starting at yeah, chapter 15, the tree and its fruit. Beware of false prophets who come uh, disguised as harmless sheep, but are really wolves that will tear you apart. You can detect them by the way they act, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit, and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce good, bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into a fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is to whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Uh, it's basically verses 20 uh, and 22 to 23 that have, that have stuck with me through the years. And uh, actually, Mitchell sort of touched upon it when he uh, was up here speaking and he said that uh, when he was 10-year-old, he heard a guy saying to him that he had all the right answers, uh, but only time will tell. 
And I think that's, that's very important. And, and as I've lived my Christian life uh, in business and, and in family uh, and through the years, I think that has stuck with me. The way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. And I think if you're a Christian, uh, you should produce good fruit. I don't think that's, you know, that's negotiable. If you're a Christian, you should produce good fruit. And that is by how you live uh, in your day-to-day life. Uh, And the fear in that, if you don't produce good fruit, is that when the end comes, the Lord will say, I never knew you. And that's something that, that sort of has stuck with me and uh, has been important in, in how I have tried to live my life uh, through the years. But yeah, uh, bizarrely, this passage is about a tree and its, its fruit, which is strange considering the business Wendy and I had was fruit and veg. Uh, but yeah, these particular verses have, have just remained with me through the years. Uh, and yeah, I've helped determine who, who I try to be as a Christian. Uh, no matter where I am, whether it's in business or, or whether it's just in my daily life. So, yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, I did share my faith with my customers on a daily basis. I tried to live that out in front of them, and not only with my customers, but with those who I, I bought the stuff from, you know, the different guys that I would have dealt with. And I have to say, uh, to be honest, as I look back, we, were, we had sort of that business for around 30 years, which is crazy, because uh, I wasn't really cut out to be self-employed. Uh, and many times, you know, uh, yeah, we, we thank God for, for helping us uh, to, to be able to pay the mortgage, to be able to buy football boots uh, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, money definitely wasn't a big driving force in, in our business. And... Uh, just as well, because we didn't make a lot, but we, we could have worked more and, and made more money. But yeah, so for me, I didn't hide God in my business. God was very much part of my life. Um, and I suppose if we think uh, Jesus in your business um, and Jesus in everything, it's not just on a Sunday here, it's not just your public friendships that you've had, but it's also family life, um, and whenever we're comfortable at home or whenever, whenever you're watching Liverpool. Um, there are many parents here, um, and for yourself um, and Wendy, how did Jesus being central to both your lives shape your family interactions, decisions, um, or how did you show Jesus daily to Benjamin, Luke, um, and even guide them then to have a deeper relationship with Jesus themselves? It's a big question. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for me, being a Christian on a Sunday and in pub- public, it's actually quite easy. You know, I think it's easy to put on a front and to put on a face and sort of make it look, yeah, everything, everything's okay. Uh, but the problem is when you're more relaxed and at home uh, and, yeah, when you let your guard down, that looks a little bit different. And, and for those who are here in my family today, especially when I have the vacuum cleaner in my hand, that's normally not a good sign. Uh, that thing annoys the life out of me. But, yeah, get a... Get a cordless one, that's my advice. Uh, I have to say for me personally, uh, my Christian journey probably is like everyone uh, who believes in Jesus here today. It's had its highs and its lows, uh, its ups and downs. Uh, But yeah, you know, whenever whenever the boys came along, that for me was sort of a changing point. 
And like, to be honest, for a long time, I was sort of just going through the motions, being a Christian. Uh, and uh, definitely when we became parents, uh, our appreciation for who God is and what he means to us and what we would want him to mean to our family became very important to us as parents. Uh, and what we wanted to show our children, yeah, just how much we love Jesus and, and how we were prepared to put him first. Uh, yeah, as the boys were growing up, uh, we prayed with them every night, uh, read them a Bible story or, and, and just got into a habit of doing that. Uh, and actually, Benjamin still likes us reading him a story before he goes to bed, uh, if the truth be told. But yeah, uh, and then until they became the age then, whenever they were able to read for themselves then, uh, they took that on and, and done it on a regular basis and, and we would have prayed with them. Uh, we also started to pray at meal times before the boys were born. Uh, we wouldn't have prayed at meals t- meal times. So as they were getting up and becoming the age where they sort of knew or whatever, we brought that into our family as well. And uh, yeah, it's something that we have con- we've continued to do. I think too, although Luke and, and Benjamin might say or think differently, uh, we were cu- quite disciplined uh, in regards to going to church and the prayer meeting. They knew come Sunday and Thursday night, that's, that was the routine, that, that was our routine, that's what we'd done. Whether Liverpool was in the Europa League or not, I was at the prayer meeting on a Thursday night. Don't think I'll have to worry about that this year. Uh, I remember one story actually, uh, and, and Benjamin you know, will, will sort of maybe cringe a wee bit at this, uh, but... Uh, yeah, Benjamin definitely wasn't happy about it. Uh, he had been invited to a friend's house on a Saturday night, and uh, let's say they were quite relaxed about what time he went to bed at. Uh, and uh, there was uh, a bonfire outside their house, and uh, I believe Benjamin and his wee friend were yeah, out to all hours at this bonfire mucking about. But we, on the other hand, had different plans for Sunday morning, and we had told Benjamin in no uncertain terms, no matter what was going on, we were picking him up for the breaking of bread uh, service the following Sunday morning. So uh, let's say he wasn't best pleased. Uh, also remember Phil Emerson speaking a, a wee while ago here. Uh, and he, he told a story about a parent who had a limp. And uh, as a child, as one of his children grew up, the child had a limp also and didn't know what was wrong, and they got the child checked out. But it turned out the child was mimicking the father. And I think that's, that's something, again, that has stuck with me, uh, that the children do watch, you know, the parents. Uh, hopefully we have lived. Uh, how we have lived has sort of impacted the, the boys spiritually. But, you know, I'm not being totally honest if I, if I don't say, you know, that Luke and Benjamin have been a blessing to us and an encouragement to us as well. Uh, in, in, in our own Christian lives, you know, we have seen them on many occasions make positive decisions for God as they have grown in their faith. Uh, and how they have developed in their faith is definitely, definitely not all down to us. You know, I think it has been, we have done our best to encourage them, but there's been a many, many people within Bethany and other Christian organizations that have definitely pointed them in the right direction and, uh, you know, help them to, to put God first in their lives too. Um, 
I do have a third question for you, but I'll maybe leave that to the end, just okay. type in, if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, Andy, good to have you. I didn't know Benji had another friend. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy told me this morning, well, I didn't, I, Andy didn't tell me, I overheard that he'd, he'd prep loads for this. He'd been up all night. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Andy, I, as we had read in Colossians there, um, verse 16, 17 say, uh, let the message of Christ and all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with words of wisdom um, that he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, to give thanks uh, to God. Um, and whatever you say or do, do it as a representative of the Lord, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Um, so I... Um, I'll just read the question. Uh, Jesus is everything is uh, not living just for people who know who don't know Jesus, um, but it's also about encouraging your own brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, obviously, me personally, I know about the locker room, um, but would you just share a wee bit about what it is, um, the passion that came behind it, um, and sort of then um, how Jesus moved you into action? What made you think um, I'm actually going to start this? Or um, I'm going to be involved. I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. Um, I was up all night learning um, locker room's tagline, so I want to do it without my notes. So let's see. I've got to get this right. Locker room is a community of men who strive for purity in the sexual culture of this world with Jesus Christ right at the center of it. Did I get that right? <laughs> yes. Um, that might just have been a whole lot of jargon to you. Um, and I was so focused on getting that right, I can't really remember the rest of the question, but I'm just going to start rambling and see where I get to. Um, yeah, so like I said, um, Locker Room is a ministry that um, a guy's ministry started up by Benjamin, myself, and a few other guys, um, really focusing around the sexual culture of this world um, and how we can basically take a stand um, against it, how we can put Jesus Christ right at the center of our lives and almost talk about this issue um, that a lot of guys faced openly and honestly and in a safe place. Um, and kind of whenever Stevie was asking me questions in terms of like all the questions he's just asked about why do you have a passion for it or why is this ministry being set up? Um, through nothing that Benji or myself almost went, we have a passion for it because it's deeply affected our lives um, and it's something that I've been struggling with since the age of 11 where I've given in to lust um, on a daily, daily basis. It's something that's affected my relationships with my friends, my family. It's something that um, has affected all areas of my life, whether it leads to um, wanting to be liked by every girl in the school, whether um, it leads to, oh, I want to go out so I look popular because I want to be liked. Da, da, da. Um, it's affected lots and lots of areas of our lives um, and it's something that is gut-wrenching and almost during school you probably could have looked at Benji and I and went oh my word they're unbelievable Christians they don't go out they don't swear they don't do this um, but to be honest we might have been good Christians in the public eye but speaking for myself every single night I was going home and giving into the sin and lust and it is such a private sin that no one has a clue about um, and you can so easily um, get away with it. And that is just something that is so destructive um, to absolutely everybody. Um, so that's kind of where the passion of the ministry kind of came out of. Um, and we want to, it's every single 
guy that you might not be given into the sin and lust every night, but it's how can you strive for purity against that sexualized culture of the world, whether it's what we watch on TV, so whether it's a 12-year-old who's looked up pornography for the first time, whether it's um, someone who's in a relationship that's struggling not to have sex before marriage, or whether you've been married 60 years and you struggle with a second glance, or how can you love your wife um, as best as you possibly can. Um, it's an area that even if you maybe don't think um, that you struggle with, it's so hard in this culture to not be affected by it. Um, even by, I was in school and I had YouTube on because I'm not a very good teacher, so it's on all the time. <laughs> and like, even the ads that were popping up as I teach these 12 year olds, and I'm like, oh my word, like it's everywhere um, and it affects everyone. Um, so I guess that's why um, that was Benji and I's passion, as in it deeply affected our lives and our relationships. And it wasn't until um, we got a group of guys together who were accountable for each other, um, who said, this isn't good enough. I remember one night so clearly where Benji pulled me and went, Andy, it's, it's actually not good enough how we just get away with the sin, how we daily do the sin. And that's almost where the passions came out of as we've seen the amazing work of Jesus Christ and the wonder of that cross about how we have been turned um, from sinners to saints and how he still loves us despite us continually sinning um, and how we've seen the chains of lust break um, in other people's lives and our own lives and that's just through the power of Jesus Christ by our friendships and our accountability and I say accountability and we have a group chat and it is daily accountability because if I didn't have that accountability for one day I would be up left um, and that is just amazing relationships and amazing friendships. And that's where I see Jesus Christ working through boys who I know if I'm struggling, I can send a message in and I have seven boys praying for me. Um, and that, as we've continued, um, I think we've been in the group chat maybe three and a half years, that's continued to every sphere of life. Um, that if I have something that is bothering me, I can send the message in and I just have those um, brothers praying for me. Um, so that's a wee bit about the passion. Again, I said I was going to ramble, so I'm going to keep on rambling. Um, in terms of locker room, um, you might be thinking, why on earth is it called locker room? Um, so locker rooms um, are places where guys um, in football changing rooms or whatever sport you play or at the gym talk about sex, porn, women, and lust in all the wrong and degrading ways. Um, so we basically want to be a place at Locker Room where we want to talk about these issues. We don't want to hide away from these issues. We don't want to pretend that these issues never happen or don't happen. Um, but we want to talk about them in a God-glorifying biblical way because the Bible doesn't hide away from these issues. The Bible continually tells us um, to not lust, to run away from it. Um, so we want to talk about it, um, but in a God-glorifying biblical way. Um, and locker rooms are also places where sporting teams um, go in at halftime to sort out problems on the pitch or encourage one, each other, one another um, to get refueled and energized to go and play in the second half. Um, so likewise, we want to come to locker room here in Bethany once a month and we want to be encouraged, convicted and energized by coming together with other men to hear what the Bible says on these issues through talks, interviews and committing ourselves to prayer um, in small groups. I think I'm done. Um, just for now, I'll bring Sophie into the conversation. Um, obviously, our series is Jesus and Everything. Uh, we're talking about our actions uh, with others, family, um, but it's also Jesus in our minds. Um, 
and when we think about mental health, um, it's a big thing these days. And Sophie, uh, your experiences uh, and battles with mental health um, through good and bad times, um, how has your faith been impacted by that? Um, and when sometimes in our life we feel that God might not be working in your life or isn't in your life, how do you find hope in that? Um, I very stupidly at the start of the week mentioned, oh, sure, I'll do your panel for you. And later in the week got told, here's your questions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am um, a bit of an open book um, when it comes to my mental health and my um, journey through that. So, um, obviously, Sylvie's asked me about um, how does having a faith um, impact on periods of having a low mood um, or struggling with depression throughout my life. Um, so... In essence, I would say it is very hard to focus um, on having a greater purpose when you're feeling that low um, and when you're in that place, um, that very dark place. Um, and it can really cause you to question everything you've ever been taught. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with um, parents who would have prayed with us every night. Um, Dad, like Junior, would have read us stories, would have prayed with us before bed. Um, and... I was always taught that God loved me, God cared for me, that he was my father. But when you're feeling like that, really, all you can think is, how can a loving, caring God um, let me feel like this? But um, having a faith can also help you to see the bigger picture um, in things. And when there's that many thoughts going through your head and there's so much going on, um, sometimes the only light in your life is knowing that there is a bigger picture and there is someone else who cares for me. Um, and the Bible tells us that we're never alone. And when we're feeling low and isolated, um, sometimes that is the only thing that you can hold on to. Um, with having a faith comes a community of church. Um, and we in Bethany are so um, lucky, we're so blessed that we have so many people around us that care for us um, and that pray for us on the daily. And just like Andy said, it's like a community um, that... If I need prayer, I know who I can text. I will just text them and say, look, I'm not feeling good. And that's it. I don't need to say anything more. I don't need to open up about it. Um, but we are so blessed in that way in Bethany that we have that. Um, and in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, um, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Um, when at a low point, one of the hardest things to do is to pray. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the last things you want to do because Sometimes you don't want to open up to anyone. Um, and although the Bible tells us that God knows our hearts, it's comforting um, and supportive to lean on others who are able to pray for you. Um, and just in that way, um, in Bethany, I have so many people that pray for me um, on the daily and who text me, the likes of Heather, the likes of Wendy, who um, are always there for me, even in the good times and in the bad. Um, I know I can rely on them. Um, and a few weeks ago, Phil Emerson was speaking and he mentioned CBT, uh, which is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. Um, and it's like how people change the way they think, their, their core beliefs are um, they altered. Um, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 that we demolish arguments and every persistence or pretent, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Um, how do you find that the two are linked? And is there something in particular that's helped you to do this? Um, yeah, this is a very big question. And whenever I was reading my answer to Stephen last night, he was like, 
what do you mean by that? So if you get confused, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so Phil Emerson spoke about thoughts making strongholds in our lives. Um, and the more we think them, we start to believe them. So CBT, or Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, as Stephen said, um, is essentially based on the same principles um, in that we develop core beliefs from our learned experiences or the experiences that we have throughout our lives. Um, so a simple example of this is that if you are to put your hand in a jug of boiling water, uh, you're going to get burnt and you're probably never going to do it again um, because you have that experience of doing that. Um, and in the same way, our experiences teach us how we should react to things. So this is a normal part of life. But the issue becomes that we can develop negative core beliefs. Um, so core beliefs that actually aren't true or they're um, learned from bad experiences rather than good experiences or ones that are beneficial to us. Um, so if we experience over and over, maybe that we're not good enough. Um, so for example, throughout my life, I maybe wasn't the best in academics. Um, so I began to believe in myself that I was never good enough. I wasn't capable um, of striving for better things or I wasn't capable of um, reaching my goals. But um, through CBT, the whole point of it is to restructure your thoughts um, to core beliefs that actually are true um, about yourself. So whilst I was completing therapy, um, we would have looked for evidence in my own life um, as well as carrying out experiments to determine the validity of my thoughts. Um, so, for example, uh, one of my negative core beliefs was that I thought everyone was looking at me. Everywhere I went, I thought people were judging me for what I looked like or what I was wearing, things like that. So um, my therapist, Mark, he made me walk slower, and that was essentially it. I just, whenever I went out of the car, I had to walk slower, um, and I had to look around me and establish that actually no one really was looking at me because probably everyone was actually thinking the same as me, that I was judging them for things. Um, and it's so common throughout life, and we all do it. We all have these negative core beliefs, but sometimes it just affects others more than um, other people. Um, my therapist didn't have a faith, um, and so my thought restructuring didn't have a biblical foundation. Um, but... There are therapists that do offer that. Um, and whilst working in therapy, Stephen and I would have worked at home um, to connect the Bible with my thought restructuring and to teach me what actually the Bible said about these things um, and not what society was telling me. Um, and even though I have completed therapy, it's not final. Um, every day, I still have to break down my thoughts. Um, I have to choose not to believe those negative thoughts that are in my head. And thankfully, therapy has taught me the skills to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, as you can tell, I am a bit of an open book when it comes to my journey through therapy um, and spending this time restructuring my thoughts. Um, so I, I do it so that I hope that someone um, will benefit from hearing what I've said um, and the journey that I've been through. And um, yeah, I am not the best at explaining it all, maybe, but um, I'm very open to people asking me questions and um, to speaking to people about it just if they want to know more. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you to all, the whole panel. Um, just time-wise, you could sit here for hours and listen and ask different questions and stuff. But um, yeah, I really want to say thank you um, for your openness, honesty in, in every aspect that we've discussed this morning. 
Um, and I'm sure, like Sophie said as well, about people asking her questions for each and every one of us, um, I'm sure they'd be happy to answer any questions that people might have afterwards. Um, and like I said at the beginning as well, at the start of this, it's, this is to add encouragement to one another to continue um, as a body, um, as a church, um, to put Jesus first in all aspects of our lives and to learn from each other um, and to uh, grow and um, yeah, just encourage each other uh, to con continue to do that. Um, I'm just going to pray and then hand back to the band or Ian or whoever's up next. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for uh, this morning. Uh, I thank you for the time that we can spend um, to discuss how you're working in our lives and how we can put you first. Uh, I just pray for us as a church, as a community, um, that we continue to uh, love one another um, and have patience and um, just grow together, studying your word um, and encouraging each other to, to live for you daily um, and to focus on, on you and, and the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Um, I just pray for the rest of the day and that you bless us in whatever that we do and that we can remember you um, on today. Amen.